think uh, one Christmas actually it was it was really cool on Amazon we were out selling Fitbit in sports and outdoors so that was that was interesting <laughs> Welcome back to The Human Entrepreneur. So as normal, I'm co-hosting uh, the podcast, but it's a bit different because I'm hosting it without Varun this time, but with another good friend of ours who helped set up The Human Entrepreneur, Amang Singh Chatter. So Amang's a great friend of mine and Varun's, and we really talk about the journey of Arminder Singh Dillian, who is the co-founder of Boot Buddy. Boot Buddy is an incredible product that uh, won the investment of Deborah Median, Tuke Silliman and Peter Jones in Dragon's Den. And he talks about his journey from winning Dragon's Den all the way to creating a number one best-selling product on Amazon, how he reached that and the journey that he's taking now to towards global expansion. It's a really great episode and has lots of great insights into how to build and scale your business and also the nitty gritty of finding manufacturers and a bit of marketing as well. So lots of value here and I hope you enjoy it. Catch you in a bit. Hello everyone, my name's Luke. And my name is Armand. And we're going to be your hosts for today's podcast. Today we're really excited to be welcoming Arminda to the show. Arminda, how are you doing? I'm good, thank you very much for having me guys. You're very welcome. And Arminda, do you want to just give us a brief introduction about yourself and what you do? Sure, so um, as you know, my name is Alminder. Uh, I invented a product called the Boot Buddy when I was about 11 years old. And uh, through that journey from 11 to now being 18, uh, I've taken the product through various stages of R&D, taken the Boot Buddy to market, went on to Dragon's Den, uh, became the youngest person to ever receive backing on the show, and the youngest person to receive the most dragons, which was the three dragons who are Peter Jones, Deborah Meaden, and Tuka Suleiman. And uh, since then, we've launched a couple more products in our portfolio, which has been interesting and has brought many different experiences. But so, how did you essentially have the insight to come up with such a such a business? I know you've told us briefly in the past, but I feel like listeners would be very interested to hear. Yeah. So the the whole idea behind Boot Buddy, <clears throat> so more the kind of the idea itself. It came from the fact I used to play football, hmm. and I love playing football, and I still do. But there was always one problem of having to train three times a week and playing on a Sunday, which was my boots were never clean. So I'd always have mud, you know, on my boots. I'd drag it into the car, drag it into the house, you know, get mud everywhere inside. And my mum would just be fed up with me. And it even got to the point where I never wanted to clean my boots because it was just so boring. So one day I just thought, well, what do you actually need to clean your boots? So I, I sat down, I took a dishwashing brush, uh, a small bottle of water, and a plastic knife. And I thought, well, you have the brush to scrub the boots clean. You have the water to help you scrub and remove the mud. And then you have the plastic knife to get the large clumps off of the mud. And so I sellotaped it all together, and it was this really ugly looking thing. And I started using it, and it sort of worked. So then I took this to a family friend of ours who's a product designer. Mm. And uh, he came up with a 3D prototype. And surprisingly, it worked a lot better than the, the one I made. <laughs> but um, we took this idea. The prototype was it. a real object. Yes, yeah, so wasn't just the rendering. No, no, yeah, it was okay. a it was a three D printout from well from a three D printer. It was quite it was interesting because the plastic was really stiff. Yeah. Um, and I couldn't squeeze it to get the water out, but it still worked. Mm. So then 
I showed my mum and dad the idea and my brother and they kind of laughed because I was so young. They just thought, oh, well, it's a nice idea, you know, it's something cool, but it won't actually work because you're so young. How can you think of something that's going to work? And so we waited a couple of years and I brought it back up and then they went, okay, you know what, let's just go for it and see what happens. So we took the boot buddy to a UK manufacturer, got some units made and we tested it a lot. So there was one day where we went to a football academy and we cleaned 70 boots within an hour just using two boot buddies. So my brother and I just wow. cleaning and cleaning and um, the product did its job and it not only did its job, but it stopped the wastage of water and it was convenient because you would fill the boot buddy and you'd take it with you to the side of the pitch yeah. rather than going home and, you know, dragging the mud everywhere and, you know, making a mess everywhere you went and then ra- running a tap and just wasting water. And then that's kind of the idea of it. The business side of it came afterwards when we realized that people were coming up to us and saying, we need this for our boots because mums were saying, I'm fed up cleaning, you know, my son, my husband's boots, you know, my daughter's boots. I don't want to do it anymore. And kids were coming up to us and saying, well, we don't want to do it because it's boring and it's not fun. Mm. So that's kind of how the business developed from it. Mm. Wow. So when you were like saying going to the manufacturer at the start, Mm -hmm. how did you bring about that sort of relationship? So it's an interesting one because um, our background as a family, we have our own businesses, but it's in the food industry. Yeah. So in terms of making products and sourcing, you know, plastics and things like that from manufacturers, we had no experience. So what we did, which is going to sound quite funny, was we literally just Googled, uh, you know, plastics manufacturers near us. And there was a place in Oxford and we went to these guys and they were a family business as well. We told them about the idea and they said, look, we'll help you guys, you know, give you some of the knowledge that you need and hopefully we can work together. So we went back and forth, did some CAD drawings and things like that. And then we decided to go ahead and work with these guys. And they slowly taught us some of the things. But as we went along, we realized, unfortunately, in the UK, uh, going back to the business side of things, yeah, it was just too expensive. So mm. to make the product here, you couldn't sell to any retailers and make a profit. And you'd have to charge such a high price online. Mm. So eventually, you know, we kept up with these guys just to get us out there and, you know, tweak all the, the things with the product. Because um, as simple as the idea is, there's so much engineering that's got into it. Mm-hmm. Um, it's just amazing. So we eventually then took a leap of faith and jumped to another manufacturer, you know, kind of sorted things out with them. And it's been a process of going along and learning and making the mistakes and rectifying them as we go along. So you you found the manufacturer, did you find the materials separately? Or is that one unified process? Yeah, so that kind of Usually it's the manufacturing first, so you'd find the people you'd like to work with and the people who could do the best job. And with the materials, it was kind of trial and error mm. because there's many different grades of plastic. So, for example, with the boot buddy, the bottle itself, um, the plastic we originally used was fantastic. It was so durable, but it was too durable to the point where younger kids couldn't squeeze it, um, despite the fact that the boot buddy is designed to have a, an arc. So younger kids can squeeze at the back because they have smaller hands. So then we used a different grade of plastic, which was softer, but then it would pierce in people's bags because sometimes when you throw your boot bunny in your kit bag, you have studs in there. Um, So if you chucked your boot bag in the boot of your car and the studs crushed the bottle at the wrong angle, there would be little holes in there. So we finally, you know, did some testing and we found the perfect grade of material where you could drop the boot bunny, 
throw things at it and it would be fine, but it was still soft enough for you to squeeze it. Mm. How did you do that testing process? To be honest with you, it was just a case of going to the manufacturer and saying, look, this is what we want. Mm -hmm. Um, Can you spec something out, get us a a 3D prototype and we can test it. So when we got these 3D prototypes, we put it through our own rigorous testing. You know, I'd go out, use the boot buddy pretty much every day I could, get it passed around at football clubs, get other people to use it um, and kind of put the product through as much strain as possible because mm-hmm. if it can achieve you know in a very intense environment where it's being used constantly then it'll be fine for someone who's going to own one and just use it for their own boots yeah mm-hmm. so yeah that's kind of how we did that and did that have any expense to you like going to the manufacturer getting these like prototypes um yes yes so initially there there is an expense where you do have to pay for these CAD drawings and you do have to pay for things such as the tooling for the product if you were to ask me now, it's been such a long time off the top of my head, I couldn't remember. But um, because it's in the UK, I do remember it was very expensive. Yeah. However, those initial investments, I feel, were so valuable to the business because it was kind of the backbone of the boot body. It's what made it the product today where it does what it says on the tin kind of thing. You know, it's, it's reliable, it will do the job. Uh, and I feel like if we scrimped on that initial process, the product wouldn't be as amazing or durable mm-hmm. as it is now. Yeah. Mm. So yeah, it all adds up in the long run. Mm, incredible. And yeah. would you say that that's kind of I guess one small struggling point we came across in terms of having to revamp the idea? Would you say there's any other major issues you came across through your time when you were developing it, or yeah, was it just when you were at a young age? Because you said you were like really young when you first had the idea, mm. and then you waited a couple of years. Yeah. Or, so I think in the the R and D stage yeah. because I've. We've encountered so many different problem, problems across the way, and that's just the way it is. Yeah. But uh, in the R&D stage specifically, um, the kind of element of finding the right balance was tough, mm. but also the fact that the Boot Buddy is a completely brand new product. It had never been done before. It's mm. not like um, you'd see you know, teeth whitening products, or you see these kind of herbal teas and things like that, where mm. there's loads on the market and you can just pick. The boot buddy was something that was created from an idea in, in my head to then being a drawing on a piece of paper to then being the product you see in front of you today. Mm. So it's kind of, it's interesting because the, the main problem we had was when you would explain the idea to someone or you would talk about the mechanics, they would be like, well, we can't compare it to anything, so we just have to create it from scratch. Yeah. Mm. So that was one problem we had, but not to say it was a bad problem, it just meant that it was interesting to see this idea develop and kind of grow its own character mm. as we got through the R&D stage. So how old are you at this point? So now I'm 18. And um, when you were doing the develop, developing stage? Uh, so during the development stage, I was about probably 13. Wow. Because when I had the idea at 11, I was 12 and uh, well, so 11 to 12 we did nothing with it we kind of my mother and brother and dad because like I said we have our own family businesses yeah they were kind of saying well we already have our businesses why don't we just expand these and work on these ones rather than we're launching into a completely new sector that we don't know anything about and it made sense at the time but when we revisited it the, the, the idea of boot buddy when I was about 13 but then we saw the potential and we thought well we might as well just go for it because what do we have to lose? If, if it's you know something that's proving too difficult, then we can always just slow it down and you know pick it back up at a later date. 
Mm-hmm. Uh, but if it's something that we can do, then it's just another fantastic idea we can push out there. So yeah, when I was about 13, that was the whole kind of R&D wow. stage, which was really cool. Wow, that's yeah. amazing at such a young age to have that like idea. But like, yeah, yeah. yeah. I mean, eleven years old. I mean, <laughs> I, I just can't, I just can't think of. I mean, what I was, what was I doing at eleven? Probably, like, <laughs> yeah, well, you know, I think, I think the main thing, the idea point of it, uh, people always ask. They always say, but it's just so cool. Like, how did you do it? And I just mm. think it was mainly because I thought I'm lazy. You know, I'll be honest <laughs> with you. It's not some kind of genius moment of where I thought no this is it has to be like this <laughs> it, it was just purely because I didn't want to clean my boots and mm. there's a there's a quote um, from Bill Gates and he says get the laziest person to do the job because they'll find the quickest way of doing it yeah. or something along those lines yeah yeah and um, it's exactly that mm-hmm. you know because I didn't want to clean my boots and I'm extremely lazy I just thought well there has to be a shortcut I'll just put this and this together and you know that will work <laughs> So you've, you've developed it, you've done your research, you've made some prototypes. Mm. Did you work with those manufacturers or did you go and find someone else? So I worked with those manufacturers um, for... And where are they time. based? They're based in Oxford. Oxford, um, yes. Yeah, so they're, they're really lovely guys. They do uh, a lot of work for big companies such as Jaguar. So when we went there, it was really, it was really cool because they had all the products they'd developed. So the LucasAid bottles... Um, there's Lucid Sport bottles. That's something they've done. Wow. Um, so they they were massive um, in terms of the products they've developed and created. But we worked with them for quite a long time, and we just eventually moved to Europe because it was cheaper to produce the product. And then the whole thing of Brexit started happening. Yeah. So then I had to eventually bite the bullet and move to China, which is. Um, it's an interesting process hmm. because China you can get products um, at a better price. Don't get me wrong; it's not extremely cheap as everyone makes out mm. it to be. But it's um, it's interesting because when you go there, the way they kind of do the manufacturing is it's on such a massive scale. It's just huge compared to England, especially. Um, so when you go there, you really do have to kind of make sure you're dealing with the right people and make sure that you know, you're know you gonna receive a product that works. Mm-hmm. Because there are a lot of China kind of manufacturing horror stories you hear. Yeah. Um, even we, we've you know suffered from manufacturing in China before. We, we've had problems where units haven't arrived to the best standard and they break. Um, and this is just through us testing it before we give it to a customer. Mm. Um, because we will test our products before they go out the doors and get sent to a customer. Um, because at the end of the day, I want to make sure whoever's buying a boot body gets something that works and actually, you know, they're happy with it and they can use it on a daily basis without fail. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, so yeah, it's interesting when you go to China. It's all so you, you went out there. You had you contacted them before. How did you find them? So this is where one of the dragons came in very, very handy. I guess. Yeah. Deborah Meaden. So she has uh, invested in another company called Grip It. Ah, yes. um, and they do some manufacturing in China, but they don't do anything with brushes. You know, it's a kind of fixture for radiators, things like that. However, they do know people who deal with brushes and that kind of stuff. So getting in contact with Deborah to ask her about, do you know any manufacturers in China who can help us? And she went, yeah, they, these guys are ideal for you. They do brushes, you know, they can help you with the boot buddy. It'll be sorted. So we contacted them, uh, really lovely people, they're based in the UK, and we worked with them 
today, and they produce our product in China. Wow. So did Deborah, apart from like introducing uh, them to you, did she just then take a step back and let you manage the relationship? Yeah, so it's really uh, amazing to have that support from the Dragons, because what they'll do is they'll open the doors, yeah, get you in there, give you the introductions, and they'll just let you do your own thing. Um, which I think is important because if they're too overbearing there is this kind of pressure you have of trying to fulfill everything because they are investors yeah um, and in a business where with investors you do have to make sure you do everything right because you don't want to upset them mm-hmm. because at the end of the day they are there to help you grow the business and expand so it was quite nice that she gave us the introduction you know kind of put the contact to us and just went guys do your thing and if you need any more help I'm here so that was wow. quite nice and how is it? How are things moving nowadays in terms of uh, the business itself? Do you find that you know a lot of bumps ahead, or do you find that there's a lot more progression that you're seeing in the business currently? Um, well, there's a lot more progression, hundred percent. Mm. Year on year, we we kind of we grow and expand, which is always lovely to do. In terms of bumps ahead, not into anything worrying. Mm-hmm. Um, however, I think with any business there will always be bumps that you'll face when you try and expand or do something new. Yeah. So recently we released a new product called Paw Buddy, so P-A-W for dog's paws, mm-hmm. and uh, that's for cleaning your pets and things like that. That was interesting because we had this idea that Paw Buddy would just simply just slot along and be nice and easy to do because we've already done it with Boot Buddy. However... Mm. It's not as simple as that because it was doing the whole process for Boot Buddy all over again because the problem was, and like I said before, it's a good problem, it's a unique idea. Yeah. So when you bring these new things out, you have to redo everything again. Mm. So on the back, instead of having a scraper for mud, you have a, a doggy comb. Um, or even you know for cats, it's a grooming tool. So you can comb out your pet's fur to get any loose debris or hair out. And then on the other side, you have bristles, which are soft enough to use on a, on a pet because if the bristles are too hard, then you'll be hurting the animal and that's, mm. you don't want to be taking that really. <laughs> so it's, it's interesting, the kind of developments. But in terms of bumps ahead, um, there, there will be some. And I feel like that it's just kind of learning how to adapt and deal with them. Yeah, that's part of the entrepreneur journey is to... You're always going to be under fire at some point and it's just learning how to mitigate and use it that's your advantage I guess yeah 100% I think it's uh, being an entrepreneur is interesting because you have to learn to be very off the cuff yes. and kind of anything that comes towards you you just think okay well here's a scenario um, there's so many different options I can use here I can go this way that way or straight down the middle but which one in the long term is going to work mm. and it's it, sometimes having that foresight is really hard don't get me wrong, I'm not saying I have that ability. I wish I did. But um, you kind of learn to get the instinct of, okay, well, if I do this from previous experience, I know this will play out like that. So is it the best situation? Yes or no? You kind of, from experience, you learn which way to go. So how do you manage running this, going to school and helping at the family fish and chip shop? Mm -hmm. How does it all come into play? (laughs) Well, um, I do have to say I'm very... I, I'm in a very fortunate position where my older brother, so Gaminda, he works uh, within the business, so we kind of do boot buddies together. 
So when I was at school, I've just finished my A-levels this year. So when I was at school, he would do the day-to-day stuff for the business and uh, I would come back and help out where I could. So I was fortunate in that sense that I had someone who was working with me along, you know, along the journey and things like that. Yeah. Um, in terms of working in the shop, if you come to the shops, you'll probably see me there most evenings anyway. Uh, you know, it's kind of that whole, I just love to be busy. So you'll see me uh, on a typical school day, you know, I'd be up early in the morning, probably doing a little bit of work before school, go to school, I'd come back, do my homework, roughly, <laughs> half and half, and then I'd do some work with my brother, and then I'd just go into the shops and you know, help my dad out, see what's going on, see if I could do anything, see what we could do to improve that business, and then before you know it, it's time to start the whole cycle again. It's <laughs> interesting. Wow. Have you learned any like key time management techniques? Because that's a lot of things on your plate at once. Yes. I think one thing I learned, which is really important to do, is if you do have a busy schedule, or if you like to keep yourself as busy as I do, it's so important to make sure you write. Oh, well, for me, I love to write things down, but just to have things in a place where you can read it and you know I've got to do mm-hmm. task A, B, C before this time. Yeah. Because I feel like it's so easy to get caught up in thinking in your head, I've got to do 50 things today, mm. um, and then you've got two hours to do it, but by the time the hour and a half is up, you've only done 10. Mm. Um, so I feel like it's so important to have it all written down somewhere or somewhere where you can see it um, because it's easier to visualise things when you can see it right in front of you but that's a good time management strategy out there and so like when you're is it just two of you you and your brother so we have a a couple of other people on the team so for example we have uh, Joe who who's doing our videography which is cool make some cool new content that's why there's a weird camera in the corner it's not just you know Joe's just sat there but um, yeah so we do have a couple of people on the team which is cool Uh, we are looking to expand so we will be bringing on new people very soon so yeah it kind of helps and now we're at a point where we're building the business to be bigger but in the initial stages it was very intense I mean you know there were times where say something has gone wrong with um, production and we had to order parts in from our European manufacturers because yeah. China, there was a delay. The parts from Europe would come all separately. So the boot buddy has, I think it's five components. You have the brush head, the shroud, which attaches the brush head to the bottle, and then you have the scraper, sorry, four, four components. And um, they would all come unassembled. So we'd go to the warehouse ourselves and assemble them by hand and put them in the packaging just so we can meet customers' orders. Mm, so yeah. things like that, uh, in the early stages, yeah, it was it was intense. But I feel like if I hadn't done those experiences, then I wouldn't really know what the ins and outs of the business are. I feel it's important um, for anyone, regardless of your business, whether it's fast food, whether it's you know sourcing products, whether it's an online business, if you can do every stage of it, then you know the workings of your business and it, it just gives you that extra knowledge. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, and I guess if you're, say, delegating a task, then you sort of know how to do it and probably manage it better. Oh, 100%. I feel like it's easy to stand and, and give orders, but if you know what you're doing and you've experienced it before, when you're giving people instructions, then you can help them and give them the most efficient way of doing a task. Yeah. Because it's it, it's very simple just to say to someone, look, can you assemble this, um, put it together in this specific order. 
But if you don't tell them, well, actually, if you hold the product like this, if you put it on this way, you know, if you heat this bit for 30 seconds, 40 seconds, whatever it is, um, then it, it doesn't really give them the insight into how to do their task. You're obviously working with like three, arguably some of the most successful business people in the UK and Peter Jones, Deborah Meaden and Tuke Suleiman. Mm -hmm. So you mentioned that they sort of open the door and leave it to you. Is there any other like ways in which that relationship works? Um, Do they give you advice if you need any problems? Yeah, so we have meetings uh, with the, the investors. So actually, we had one this week, uh, which was nice to see them all again, just kind of catching up with the business where it is. Um, but in terms of the relationship, it kind of, so it works differently because, uh, for example, Tuka, he's based uh, in London as well. Are you in his offices? Just yeah, sorry so, for interrupting you. No, 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 it's fine, fine. to give them away every episode. <laughs> we were, we were in his offices. Um, we, we then stopped using the offices, mainly because uh, where we're based, uh, it was just the traffic getting there every morning yeah. was a bit too much. And then getting the train and the tube, it just, it's just it was a lot of effort. So I'd just rather just be based where we are currently uh, in southwest London because he's based more north London. So just getting across was a bit of a challenge, but um, yeah. So Tuka, we we can see pretty much on a on a weekly or a daily basis, uh, which is nice because he's based in London as well. Mm -hmm. Deborah, unfortunately, she's based in the West Country, so seeing her makes it a little bit harder. But we'll see her once a month, um, and then Peter is just extremely busy. Yeah. So whenever we see Peter, it's not so frequent, but we will see him. However, we do see his um, head of investments a lot, uh, a guy called John, a uh, really nice guy. He, he's really insightful. He helped build up the Levi Roots uh, reggae reggae oh, sauce. Yeah. So he's been working with Peter's investments for a long, long time, and he has a lot of knowledge in different industries, which is really useful. Wow. Did they help? Going back to like your teamwork, how, your team, how did you go about recruiting? It's an interesting one to be honest with you. You kind of just put you just kind of put adverts out there. Yeah. And then you see so there's the various different recruiting websites you can go to, many which have slipped my memory. But uh, you just put adverts out there or you just kind of search for what you're looking for, whether it's a videographer or whether you're looking for kind of salespeople. You can just put the word out there. And actually last month we were holding interviews. Um, for specific roles within our business and it's an odd process because I never would have thought I'd be interviewing people to come work with us um, you know it, it's one thing you kind of forget oh uh, well I forgot definitely is that you do need to kind of bring other people on board to help you build up it, you can't do everything yourself so it's interesting especially when you well when I've done these interviews uh, the, the people you meet um, so you, you'll meet people who are just you know academically fantastic but have no people skills or you'll, peep, you'll meet people who you know weren't the best in school but they will definitely land you a big contract and get you those deals so it is it's a hard choice to make because you think well do I just go for someone who I know will guarantee the sale or do I go for someone who I know will you know be able to do all this admin stuff and then just about close a sale or things, things like that there's so many different factors 
Mm. Um, so it's interesting, yeah, mm. very interesting. Have you found it difficult to delegate tasks? Obviously, when in the early days, you were doing a lot of it yourself, or has it been a quite a smooth process? <sighs> to be honest with you, it's it's nice. It's a weight off the shoulders, really, because uh, especially for my brother and I. So we'll we'll need people who will chase up retailers, you know, the, the local independents or the big buyers, you know, from certain retail stores and uh, it, having someone who could do that for you it just takes a lot of the pressure off because then you can focus on well what do we need to do do we need to develop a new product range do we need to go you know beat the price back on the manufacturers mm. or do we expand into a new market you know those kind of mm. things it gives you more time to just focus on other things which is cool yeah. you mentioned how you you're like focusing a lot on strategy at the moment mm. Are you trying to scale the business now, so you're trying to grow and expand more now? Uh, yeah, 100%. I'd say for, for us now, uh, we're looking to expand into the US. Yeah. So, yeah, the US is huge. Wow. Uh, I think everyone knows, regardless of whether you're an entrepreneur or you know whether you have any interest in business, everyone just knows the US is a massive market. Um, so to expand there is the next goal. Um, hopefully that will be achieved in the next year or so uh, we've already put some kind of feelers out there people love the idea um, how are you doing that so we use various marketing agencies um, we ran test adverts out into the states into yeah. different parts of the states uh, my brother and I have been to the US to talk with sales agents and talk to retailers so there are big retailers who are interested, uh, who like the product. However, it's just a case of kind of changing the packaging. So it's US market friendly mm. because they, despite the fact that it's, you know, the same product, the packaging needs to be different because of their rules and regulations per state changes. Um, also the fact that their English that they use is slightly different as well. Mm. So we'd have to rephrase the products kind of information on the packaging just small things like that but besides that we just put the feeders out there how does that work the the marketing like testing so there's okay so it depends because some agencies work differently so for example there are two types there'll be types where you work with an agency and they take a percentage of your uh, ad spend as they Mm. call it so that could be 10%, could be 11%, whatever it is. It depends on the, the agency. And um, they create something called creative, which is the video or the footage that the consumer sees. Mm. So for us, it will be someone cleaning a muddy boot. Because right? it's, it's cool, it catches the eye, and it just shows what the product does. Mm. So you create this creative, and then you put this onto the platform of Facebook or Instagram, wherever you want to market, and then you decide how much money you want to spend on the on the advert, and it gets pushed out there, and then you'll be able to track how much the advert is costing you to run, um, whether people are buying it or not, and people's kind of reactions to it, because you'll see sometimes people will click on the advert, they'll watch the whole video and buy it straight away, or some people will click on the advert, add to a cart, leave their cart, 
and then never come back. Mm-hmm. But then that's when you have things like a, um, a follow-up email or a kind of a follow-up message uh, saying, oh, hey, you left your car abandoned. Would you like to continue with your purchase? And then they'll see that and be like, oh, yeah, I completely forgot. And then they'll go back and buy it. So it, it, there's kind of different ways like that. Um, and then the other side of how agencies could work is they take a flat-out retainer. So it should be a monthly fee that you pay them or annual fee, however they decide to do it. And you just pay them for that and then you also pay for your adverts. So yeah, that's kind of how that works. And had you got the products ready before you did these feelers? Because um, you're saying that you, you're you you're selling to these customers, I'm guessing. Yeah, so uh, in terms of the online business, it wasn't too hard because you can sell the UK product. Oh, it's okay. only within the retailers that you'd have to change the packaging. Because we checked this, because there was a lot of controversy in our team. We were just thinking, we were like, do we take the risk and just start selling the UK product out there? But we did some more research, and we found that the the boot buddy did comply with the legal requirements, which was completely fine. So we just go ahead and sell. But it was when we got to the retailers, you could just imagine if someone from another country wanted to sell into, say, a Tesco's here, mm. or you know, a Sainsbury's or a Sports Direct, even mm-hmm. it would have to meet the UK regulation and things like that. So, just to make it one hundred percent certain in terms of retailers, we were going to do the product kind of tweaks and then give it to them. So, okay. And would you say that's probably the biggest issue that you had with each other country was the regulation as well as the on the advertising side, just meeting to standards, or was there anything else you came across in terms of the way that you had to market it? To a different country, such as the US? Um, I'd say that was one of the big problems. Yeah. Uh, another problem we faced was the fact that you have to set up a whole new distribution mm. kind of channel. channel. Yeah, okay. so it's it's kind of, do you ship from China straight to the US? Do you ship from the UK to the US? Or do you have someone in the US who could cover the whole states? Mm. So we've decided to go with someone in the US to do that. Um, However, there were so many different options that you can choose. So we did look at UK to US, um, where we could get the product next day in the US. It was it was fantastic. How? Is that being flown it, over? Yeah, it's just wow. it's fantastic. However, it was something like that, and it was so expensive. So it was either we absorb that cost or we pass it on to the customer, and I I we kind of felt. Well, the boot buddy is meant to be a simple idea. You know, it's not some technology product where it's going to be high value. Mm. Yeah. So t- to justify paying so much just for the packaging and postage, no, it just didn't didn't feel right. So we've got someone in the states who can cover East Coast and West Coast, which is which is quite handy. Right. Wow. Uh, How did you find them? Um, purely through Google and also through asking uh, the guys we met in the States about who they knew. We just we said to them, look, we need, um, they call it a 3PL, so a third-party logistics company. So they will handle and fulfill your orders and send them out to the customer. And we vetted a few different people and we found someone who we're happy to work with and we like. Wow. Okay. So, and how did you approach the retailers? Because you mentioned you're speaking to a few yeah. in the US. There's different ways. So because our our situation in terms of the business is unique with the dragons, 
Uh, one route we took was just asking the dragons, you've taken a couple of products for the states, do you have any buyers in this department? That would be really useful. Sometimes they do, sometimes they don't. Uh, you'd email the buyers, sometimes you make a breakthrough, mm. sometimes you don't, it's yeah. just the way it is. Uh, you could do the other method, which is what we did a lot of, which is going on to Google or researching companies and just finding out who the buyers are on LinkedIn. Uh, getting the details which on LinkedIn mm-hmm. and emailing them and just seeing if they're interested and then the third way was using a sales agent so they take a retainer and almost like a commission off your deals mm-hmm. and they put you in front of buyers who they have really good relationships with who they've sold a lot of product to and the whole idea is they'll get you in front of the buyers and be like look these guys are working with us they have a fantastic product would you like to buy some we know that you take a large quantity so let's do this and then we can work up to you know taking x amount of units in the future yeah so that's kind of the three routes do you have to pitch it to the retailers from there or do they do it for you uh no so it's better so for us um especially because of the unique story um and the fact that my brother and i are still we're still young uh uh, people love that novelty of being young you know i think not saying that you can't start a business when you're who well it depends on what you call old but you know some people say you know when you're past you know let's say 35 whatever you can do whatever you want you can start a business then but um, you know it's kind of when you go to the buyer and you're showing the passion that you have for your product and for your business then it it hits home and they really do see that okay these guys are serious about the business and they will pretty much guarantee that we get the stock on time and you know that we will sell these units because at the end of the day for retailers it's mainly a case of they want product to sell but they want the guarantee that they'll be able to sell it and that the they're going to drive more customers to their store mm-hmm. so you've just got to pitch it to them and say look this product will bring people in because we'll do this marketing that marketing and you know we're an established brand that people want to buy from yeah mm-hmm. kind of thing Wow. So do you have any other tips for like making that sales pitch? I think, to be honest with you, any pitch in general, I would say the main thing is know what you're talking about because it's easy to pitch to someone because you could just stand up in front of someone and just say anything. But if you know what you're going to say, if you can be concise and you can show people information in a way where they think, okay, this person knows what they're talking about, I like this idea, then you kind of get this level of respect. Um, I feel like, especially from Dragons Den, which is what I learned, if we had just gone into the den and we didn't know any of our numbers and we just you know, fumbled around and didn't really have concise answers, you wouldn't really get the attention of the person sitting in front of you. Mm. They'll just think, oh, well, you're wasting my time. Yeah. So I think just know what you're talking about is the main thing, any, any type of pitch. Or any speech, anything really, just know what we're talking about. What sort of like questions do you get asked then? In terms of just going with retailers? Yeah. Well, they'll ask about the strategies outside of just selling to them. So who, which other retailers are you selling to? They'll ask what type of marketing you do. They'll also ask about the products. They want to know the stories and things like that. Uh, but the main thing for them is what kind of can you offer them? that's what they want to know they want you to have a lineup of products because they'll look to give you a whole shelf 
and then look to give you a whole section. Oh, wow. Yeah, so that you they increase their margins. Because yeah. if someone sees something from one range, they'll buy it from the next and so on and so forth. That's a problem we faced. Not that's a bad problem because, you know, we've developed new products and we're slowly getting there. But it's it's interesting because they want to know what you can offer them and if, if it's actually worth them buying the stock. Well, I guess it's a massive dog market, so maybe the poor buddy <laughs> yeah, so can take that over. Yeah, poor buddy, we'll see. I think, um, I do think there will be a point where Poor Buddy will be more popular than Boot Buddy, okay. even though Boot Buddy is the original. Because I yeah. feel like the the pet industry is massive; it's just huge, uh, and I think the, the the passion people have for their pets <laughs> is just is crazy. I mean, even I'm guilty of it as well. We used to have a pet dog, and um, you know, you'd always find my mum just buying random toys for the dog. Yeah, I mean, he's, he's already got <laughs> so many toys, but you just because it's your pet, you just want to give them more. Yeah. So it's, yeah, it's interesting. I always remember my, my grandparents, they used to feed their dog better than <clears throat> they used to feed themselves. Yeah. <laughs> I was looking on Amazon last night and on like boot brushes, you're the number one seller. Mm. How did you come to achieve that status? I think mainly because of the initial R&D we put in. Uh, I think it, it all links back to the beginning stages. It sounds really cheesy, but I think the initial sweat and tears, so kind of making sure the product was the best it could be, you know, really helps when you sell it because people will buy it and then they recommend it to other people and they realize, well, actually, this isn't just an ordinary brush. This is a brush that has this, you know, useful and amazing feature of holding water and it's portable. So it just makes cleaning so much easier. Mm. I think uh, one Christmas actually, it was, it was really cool. On Amazon, we were out selling Fitbit in sports and outdoors. So that was, that was interesting. <laughs> like looking into the future, how do you see like Boot Buddy evolving in like your career as an entrepreneur? So for Boot Buddy, the aim is, uh, I, and we've, already, we've always said this uh, from the beginning, it's to become a household name. So when people think of uh, the internet and getting information information they think of Google and when people think of watching videos think of YouTube uh, when people think of hoovering the house think of Dyson I want people to think oh I need to clean my shoes I'll use a boot buddy or I need to clean this I'll use a buddy brush that kind of thing mm. so that's what we want to become a household name that people associate cleaning their shoes or you know their, their pets with buddy variation and in terms of the company expanding into the US and then just developing the product range coming out with new ideas and just starting the process all again with each one and eventually just opening more businesses because I, I feel like I have a passion for business uh, mainly because of my background my family have their own businesses so I've just grown up with that environment and I think it's just so much fun in an odd way, even though it's very stressful, yeah, it's just the the amount of stuff you learn or, on a day to day basis through the different businesses is just crazy. And any other last advice you'd give to aspiring entrepreneurs who um, are in potentially similar situation or would like to be in a similar situation in the future? To be honest with you, I'd say I think the main thing is if you have an idea, go for it, and if you have some kind of initial stages so for example the R&D there was a lot of fear of will this actually work if you can get over that fear which is easier said than done yeah 
you can unlock so much potential and you can actually go on to do so much because I feel like when you have fear, it does hold you back. And one thing I've learned is never to be afraid of a new experience because if you embrace it, you learn how to adapt to the situation. But also if, if you do make a mistake, you can rectify it because you'll know in the future, okay, well, this is a similar process of before and I dealt with it like this last time and I know it worked. But also when you do make the mistake, you just learn so many different things. If you do have any fears about starting business or you do have an idea, just go straight for it. There's, mm -hmm. there's no point kind of shying away from it. Another thing actually to quickly go back to advice to entrepreneurs, which is, I forgot to say, but if you can do something right and effective, then you can't beat it. It doesn't matter what industry you're in, whether you're in the food industry, you know, sourcing products, whether you're in you know, fashion, whatever it is. If you can get a product that is spot on and people will buy it because it's a reasonable price for what it is, you know, whether it's a luxury product or a cheap product, then you will do well because people do want something that says what it does and they do want the convenience. Yeah, I think, you know. Well, Aminda, thank you so much for coming on the podcast yeah. and we'll let you have the final word and how people can find you, your products. Thank you very much for having me. So bootbuddy.com is our website. Uh, you have all the information there, info at bootbuddy.com. If anyone wants to get in touch, get in touch with us there. Um, as I said, we do have fish and chip shops in Battersea, near Clapham <laughs> Junction, uh, Maria's. So if you're ever in the area, do feel free to pop in. I might be there, hopefully, if, it's, you know, if, if I'm working. Yeah.